Mark, thank you for coming Thanks to for my me. first episode. <laughs> um, I really appreciate taking time out. Before we go into, obviously we're going to touch upon influencer marketing, how it's changed the game, things to watch out for and really give value to the end user. Um, before we go into it, tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into influencer marketing, because I think you were one of the very first few in Manchester, especially to kind of get into this sector. So give us a bit of background yeah, how it happened. Yeah, so um, for me it was, it was more one of the, you know some people they say that like they, f they fell into things or whatever, like yeah. for me it was more of a strategic choice. Oh, right, um, okay. So like I was, um, I used to be involved in like sales background, I used to work in like media sales, so like selling advertising space for websites and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then through um, just like meeting people and things like that, I started to make contacts with, you know, bloggers and that kind of thing. And I think back in what, 2015 when I kind of started to get into this, um, I was quite active on Twitter. Oh, right, okay. Um, and so I started to um, like, you know, see like bloggers, you know, posting a lot on Twitter and like, yeah, yeah, advertising yeah. their blogs and stuff. Um, and from like a media sales background and having a look at like selling advertising on, on websites, yep. um, I started to get some questions sometimes from these bloggers being like, oh, like, you know, you work in this industry. Um, you know, what would you recommend in terms of like, how do I sell, you know, advertising space on my blog? Like, you know, oh, right, asking, okay. you know. So you were at that point where it was really coming in where people are starting to monetize their own yeah. sites and stuff and there's yeah, other yeah, options yeah. rather than just using the Google display network exactly, and things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so a lot of, <coughs> a lot of kind of like my initial kind of exposure to the industry was just through that at the beginning. Um, and I started to then take a little bit more of an active in, interest in it. And obviously at first it was just a bit of friendly advice between, between friends. And then I was like, there's, there's something happening here. Like, oh, you know, okay. obviously there's, a big, there's, there's more of a trend. And I think by that stage, influencer marketing was it was it was probably known. Uh, it was you know more well known in America. More like QVC. Um, but you would see it being more like that celebrity scale. So yeah. it was kind of like you know influencer marketing was more just uh, you've got Kim Kardashian on Instagram and let's get. Or like when Ronaldo would or, wear something, he's oh. wore the like the, the pods the other day. Exactly. Um, the iPod. Yeah, the iPod Nano. Yeah, that he had and on, it was yeah. blew up overnight. <laughs> yeah. So it's more. Yeah. So it was more kind of like that level at the time, and um, I was wondering like you know how how is this going to impact you know, down the, down the of lower course, scale. Yeah. Um, and so really I was kind of working in that micro-influencer market, should we say, but before micro-influencers was really a thing. A thing, yeah. And so like there wasn't a term for it back then and, you know, I didn't know a term for it. To me it was just working with, you know, everyday people that had an interest in something. So it'd be a, a fashion blogger that maybe had 15,000 followers on Instagram, but, you know, such an engaged audience at that time. So um, I remember I was still working in sales and I hated it. I have to admit, oh, man, I, I, just, I just hated it. <laughs> um, Some sales meeting in the morning. Well, just in the morning, you know, you do your morning stand up and yeah. you're like, you know, this is what prospects I've got for the week and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and it, you were only as good as your last week, yeah. you know, and you were only as good as it your pipeline. Quick. And it, it, you know yeah. what I mean? You just became a number on a spreadsheet. <coughs> and, you know, when I was at university, I specialized in marketing and marketing communications yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So I'd never really used that part of my degree, but I'm quite creative as a person by right. nature. And so I wanted to, to start working in more advertising and, and stuff. So I applied to, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking here. I'm not even yeah. over-exaggerating. You're probably looking at about 80 jobs. Oh, <laughs> um, within, what year is that? Within, this would have been between 2015 and 2016. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was all for marketing agencies, creative agencies. And, yeah. like, you know, it was like graduate jobs or, and, and stuff like that. And um, most of them were very much like, if you want to come and work for us, you need to come and work for six-month internship for free. Oh, you know, yeah. the vast majority of these were in London. And, um, you know, I was, I was living in London at the time. I was paying a grand a month in rent. Oh, <laughs> like, it, was, it was killing me. Right. And so, but I, I got to a point where I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't work in sales. Um, and so I thought, right, just let's just go for it. So I, I quit my job um, and I went to start my own agency. Um, and what that, was that like, called? Uh, parental Influence. Parental Influence, uh, Which right. wasn't a great name because everyone thought that I was just interested in like mummy bloggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like for me, it was all about like, you know, if you, if you need advice about something, like you yeah. ask your mum and dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh, I was right, kind of so, yeah. like, you know, Mate, trying to be advisory I've and had, stuff. I've had um, so it was, a, it was a pretty terrible name, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I started that um, and like for ages, like, you know, nobody, wanted to hear about micro-influencers. Yeah. It was always like, you know, oh, can you get Wayne Rooney to post on his Instagram? Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, I don't know him. <laughs> so at that point in 2016, 
Do you think Instagram was really kind of, I think Facebook purchased it around about 2015, was it? Yeah, yeah. so like it was starting to So it started to, really to kind of get that, that really point. big yeah, growth yeah, yeah. because before that, just a photography platform, exactly, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. You put up a few pictures. Yeah. Right, so you were there whilst that is happening. Exa yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and so I started to um, kind of like get involved in that and I started to build up a database of like micro-influencers that would work across, you know, fashion, beauty, lifestyle, that kind of thing. Um, but it was just a real slow burner. Yeah. Um, and then I remember um, I got in touch with the guys at um, Social Chain. Yeah. Um, because they were working on... I can't remember the client, but it was a it was a, a campaign that they were working on with influencers, and yeah. I said like, oh, like you know, wouldn't you mind trying a, a few of these guys? Um, and then through those conversations, it was very much like we we knew that there was maybe a good opportunity there, and they said, well, you know, there's there's maybe an opportunity for you to come and work with us. And when I kind of set out to start my own business, it wasn't as a like a, oh, I, I want to be successful on my own and I want to start my own business. I didn't really think about it that way at the time. It was just like, you know, if I was going to work for free for six months, I might as well work for myself as opposed to go and work for another agency and not necessarily have a job at the end of it. So I wanted to kind of just open the door for myself and start learning about the industry and showing that I was willing to work hard. Um, and then that got me an opportunity back in Manchester with Social Chain. So uh, I went to work with them and uh, yeah, looked after influencer strategy for some of the world's biggest brands. Um, wow. And so that's how I, I got into it all, yeah. <laughs> that's quite interesting that because <coughs> how you kind of went from a passion and turned it into a business. And I always think that them businesses work the best. You see a lot of people these days, oh, I've heard Bitcoin's huge, I'm gonna go into Bitcoin. <laughs> and then I've heard, you know, you know TradeX is huge, whatever. Mm. And they kind of go into that now. And it's good that, it work, because obviously when, when you're working on a business, that's a passion when the days are not when you have days which you have weeks which are not going to plan mm. it kind of gets you through that period yeah because otherwise if you're in a job like sales and you don't enjoy it and you got to do that sales <laughs> morning at nine o'clock every morning <laughs> what happened in this meeting what happened? Yeah. it's just horrible yeah and it, but to be honest i mean it's funny because now that i like i own my own business and yeah. I'm, I'm working at captivate now and, and trying to build that 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 sales background helps yeah <laughs> and so like you know having been through that kind of <coughs> if um, you can work in a good sales environment where you can learn a lot, like yeah. prospecting, leads, how to pitch, how to present, how to close. Yeah. Them are the key areas for any business. Definitely, definitely. But if you end up in somewhere where it's just terrible sales environment and it just doesn't. Well, I think as well, like, you know, you've got to have a passion for what you're selling. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've I found that, that, that passion again because it's, it's what I, I do as a, as a career. I've, you know, I've made a, a life out of this now. And so I love the industry. Like, I absolutely love everything about it. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. I, I love what the future is going to be because I yeah. know that like, you know, it's just a constantly evolving prospect. So for me, it's, it's something that like I'm, I'm clearly really passionate about. And so like, I think when you, when you're going into meetings and you're meeting brands and you're meeting new clients that are interested in influencer marketing, you know, it's not, I don't feel like it's something that I have to sell. It's just something that I want to talk about and share yeah. with people and, you well, know, if I can educate and help or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly, when I used yeah. to go for News Corp, we used to sell radio space. And it was expensive because my background social. I used to do the CPM compared to Facebook and Instagram stories yeah. and what the radio is. I was thinking, it's just not, I don't believe in this. I can't really help the guy sell it. Yeah. Because I just don't believe in what you're selling. It's way too overpriced. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing that with how things are changing. Now, just define what is influencer marketing because there's so many variations of what go out there. Mm. Like, just in a nutshell, what is influencer marketing? It's, it's one of them really where like, I'd, I'd say it's actually quite hard to define. Okay. Um, but for me, it's just someone having the power to persuade you to take a thought or an action um, that you previously you know, hadn't Would've. thought of yourself or that you, pro that you previously might not have. And um, you know, it's just having that ability to, I guess, steer someone in a new direction um, or point someone towards something that they'd never previously heard of or, or something like that. Um, I think that's what makes you an influencer. It's not about um, you know just holding a product up to your face and being like, oh, a I'm lot using do. this this week. A lot yeah. of people do, yeah, do think lot, that's what it is. That, yeah. um, but for me or whatever, I think it's you know influencer marketing is me and you having a conversation and you saying, I don't know what to do this weekend, and me saying, right, well, I, I went to the cinema last week and watched 1917. Like you know, you should go and watch that. It's an amazing film. And then you're thinking, oh, I'd not really thought about that before, but I'll give it a go. 
and then you go into the cinema and watching that film. Like that's kind of influencer marketing at its most basic level is it's just peer-to-peer -peer recommendations. It's yeah. just conversations between people. Whereas Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all TikTok. these other platforms, TikTok now have obviously magnified this to a, to a much wider level. So rather than it just being a conversation between me and you, it's a conversation between me as, a, as an influencer and thousands of people that are interested in my recommendations and, and what it is that you know I, I'm passionate about. Um, and so I think that it's kind of like at its basic level is, is what influencer marketing is all about. Now, yeah. in a working example, you worked on the I saw it first Love Island influencer campaign. Yeah. How would that work in that situation? So what would an influencer do for to promote that fashion brand in line with that television? Like as an example, like. Well, so one of the things that made um, the I Saw It First <coughs> campaign successful last year was rather than just using um, like models and television models and actors and things for their Love Island campaign, I'm talking about the, the TV campaign and yeah, the yeah, ad yeah. ads around that and everything and the billboards yeah, around billboards the country around and everything, everywhere I saw them, yeah. is that we, um, we went down the influencer approach yeah. and we worked with influencers that the brand had worked with for a long period of time. Um, so to give examples, there was Samantha Harvey, she was one of the influencers that worked with us. Uh, Marion Musa was another one that we'd worked with. And, and these were influencers that we'd worked with for months, yeah. even maybe a year by that point. And okay. so, you know, they were, you know, well integrated into the brand. They knew what the brand was about. They knew what the brand wanted to achieve. Um, their followers knew all about the brand. So it wasn't kind of like random to them. Or like they'd never worked with us before and then bang, they're the face of, yeah, yeah. I saw it first, Love Island. And I think what made it really successful at that point is rather than it just being a television campaign that went out to, you know, the nation that no one had ever kind of like, either they've never heard of the brand before um, or, you know, they've, they've, it's doubtful that they hadn't heard of Love Island, but maybe they weren't a fan of Love Island yeah. or, or something like that. Um, it, it was coming from people that were authentic with the brand, that had a relationship with the brand previously, that had a great relationship with their audience already. And that allowed us then to really kind of push that message out to an already engaged audience rather than it being something that was fresh. Um, and it was really good because you could see um, their audience, you know, constantly engaging with them all the time, being like, I've just seen you on the TV ad, like, this is amazing, you look great on the TV ad. And it was getting people then to really, you know, buy into us as a brand, but then at the same time, like, you know, buy into those people as individuals yeah. and, and really kind of share that moment, yeah. And would that, would that, let's say, Love Island's gone out, let's say, I, th I think it was at nine or 10 o'clock, whatever it is, yeah. yeah? What would them influencers be doing while it's on TV? Would they be posting some stories? Would yeah. they be saying, go on to I Saw It First, get 20% up with Becky 20 for argument? Uh, yeah, exactly, all of those things. Um, and a lot of it would be kind of like, oh, like, you know, we, we tell them in advance, like, our TV ad is going to air at, you know, 9.16 or something like yeah. that. Like, you know, first ad break yeah, or yeah. something like that. And so, you know, they'd be posting on Twitter and they'd be posting on Instagram stories, like, guys, like, I'm going to be on TV tonight. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, watch this or whatever. Um, and and the know, brand goes on to the back of that then because of... Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, there will be brand messaging around that at the same time as well, where, you know, they might be able to get a, a certain discount on what, what we were doing, or it might have been about um, maybe entering a competition to win something or, or something mm. along those lines. Um, but I think what I saw at first did really well and what I think has helped build that relationship with influencers over time and what we still try and do as a, as a brand when we're working with them is they, the reason why they pick those influencers because those, those influencers I guess have been kind of loyal to I saw at first throughout. I think sometimes with influencer marketing and especially around like, you know, the celebrity influencer marketing that's associated with Love Island and, you know, like what, TOWIE and like, you know, yeah. things like that is that it's more about, oh, it's pay to play. So like, it's like, oh, we'll pay you for X and you'll do a post for us and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, these influencers have been working with the brand since the brand was founded pretty much. And so it was about rewarding those influencers. It was kind of like, you know, like, you know, you've worked with us and, you know, you've helped, you know, build this brand into what it is. So we're going to make you the face of a national TV campaign on what is the biggest show of the summer that, you know, the nation's been looking forward to. And that relationship then builds and then it grows and then, you know, it's, uh, it's something that really benefits both parties and it, and it works really, really well. So, uh, let's say there's a brand, right? They haven't got enough money to have an agency come in and do the influencer campaign yeah. and they want to start themselves, mm -hmm. right? What, how, there are two questions really rolled into one. <coughs> how can you spot a, 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 a real, a good influencer from a bad influencer? Mm -hmm. like from engagement rates follow like what should you look for so I mean 
Quite a lot of it is just down to what aligns with your brand. Yeah. Um, and you, you do see sometimes a lot of brands that they, they pick influencers that just really, you know, like you might have a, a, a fitness brand or something like that that just wants to work with someone that's been on um, a reality TV show to just kind of push out that, that yeah. fitness brand. But that person's got no interest in fitness and their audience has got no interest in fitness and it, it really just doesn't align. It's just trying to put a face to, it, to a name. So quite a lot of it is just about brand alignment. So like, you know, does an influencer genuinely align with your brand's values and, and what it is that you're trying to achieve? So that's the first thing that you, that you want to look at. And then, you know, their content, like, you know, is it in line with what you would expect from someone? So, you know, you might be, a, we'll just use the fitness example. It might be someone that's into fitness and, you know, they're really into, um, you know, motivating people to go to the gym and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, do they um, constantly swear in their content? Are they aggressive in that message that, you know, you might be going for a more of a calm approach or whatever, where you're trying to slowly encourage people to maybe take up a new hobby as opposed to aggressively go after people to, yeah. to motivate them to go to the gym. And so you're looking at that kind of content and does it align with what it is that, you, that you're looking to do? Um, and then from there, you want to be looking at, you know, their engagement rates. What are their what what's are their, a good engagement rate? On or average, or, yeah, or, or on decent. You're probably saying between three and five percent. Um, obviously, it depends. If you've got between one and ten thousand followers, then that engagement rate's probably seven to eight percent. If you've got maybe ten to a hundred thousand, five. Yeah, the more numbers it goes, drops, yeah. yeah, it drops as you go along. But you probably say between three and five percent is usually a, a pretty good benchmark to look at. Right. And then you would look at the comments, you know, what are, <coughs> what are those comments like? Um, so sometimes you see influencer marketing fail when, you know, you would, you would have a brand and they'd be saying, oh, we want you to, um, I don't know, go and see a show or something like that. It might be a, a company or whatever that's advertising a new theatre show. So they've yeah. got an influencer saying like, oh, hey guys, like, you know, by the way, you can get 10% off tickets to go and watch, I don't know, Harry Potter or yeah, something yeah. like that in London. And, uh, the comments will all be like, oh my God, where's your dress from? I love your dress. Like, yeah, yeah. And, you, know, and it's <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking, my, my, my mate's going to kill me for doing this. <laughs> he, he, my mate used to be a singer, right? <clears throat> and he bought, um, it was his first video coming out, music video. And he just wanted to hit a million views. And I said, look, mate, you'd rather hit 10,000, but let it be genuine. Yeah. And he wanted a million views with like somewhere like 100,000 comments. And he purchased, he bought them, yeah. right? And he never released anything, nobody knew about him. And his comments were like, when's your world tour happening? <laughs> when are you touring Europe? Yeah. We love you in Africa. I was like, <laughs> it's like, it's right, it's valid that. Yeah. You've got to look at how relevant are the how comments. How relevant are the comments and that kind of thing. And, and it does, you know, some people, they just might be interested in, in one particular thing. And yeah. so it's going to fail if, you, you know, your brand doesn't align with what those comments are, are interested in, really. Um, and then after that, you're looking at, you know, where are those <laughs> followers? from um, and how would you find that out? Uh, you can use certain tools that will allow you to, you to see some of them well for me I, I tend to look at um, generally or whatever there's not a lot of tools that can see an influencer's true audience demographics yeah. because Instagram blocked off the API access um, to quite a lot of tools and so it's very difficult to find out exactly where an audience is from or you could ask the influencer well, you if you're going to work with them directly, too. Yeah. yeah, and that's my biggest recommendation because it starts to build a relationship. The more that you talk to the influencers, the easier it becomes for them to work with. You don't want it to just become transactional. You want it to genuinely start building up a relationship and offering, you know, them an opportunity to put forward their ideas and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, the earlier you start that conversation, the, the easier it becomes. But um, one of the tools that I've used throughout is a tool called Social Blade. Oh yeah. Um, and that allows you to kind of track people's following over time. Um, so, like is that normally, free or is that paid? Yeah, it's free. Yeah, um, but like normally, like you'll, to try and like illustrate, is like you'll have a you know like a normal kind of graph, um, and then throughout that, like you'll see kind of like as that that graph like rises, like how um, kind of like a straight line like that follower growth is, and so like you'll see over time, right? They started at you know zero. And then like you know, has it kind of like leveled and like grown like none or whatever, like like that. or is it just gone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then you can be like, all right, well, what happened on June 12th where they yeah. suddenly gained, you know, 60,000 followers or something like that. Um, and like, you know, sometimes it can happen where, you know, I don't know, they, they did something that then ended up, you know, getting traction on like 
The Sun and the Daily Mail and yeah, everything they might like have that been because they did something funny or they got published or mm. something like that. And uh, it was like that guy that did Glastonbury. Do you remember? Um, yeah, Alex. <laughs> Alex Glasto, whatever. Yeah, Tiago Silva. Oh yeah, Tika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like you know, someone like that could just bang boom over yeah. But then you would you know you would Google that person and look at news related articles and stuff like that to see whether there has been something there. Um, but you can normally see like a big spike or whatever if someone's bought followers. So 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 somebody looking at it, there there are ways of finding out and there are ways of like like you said just be a bit of common sense. Something happened on twentieth of June. Yeah. Just search what happened. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, if you're asking for an influencer's um, like demographics and you say, Oh like, you know, send me your social stats and let me have a look at where your audience is from and they're a a fashion blogger that lives in London and most of their audience is Indonesian men that aren't going to be interested in fashion then <laughs> you'd be like well where's that come from um and so you know sometimes you, you know you do get that um, and it's just someone that's tried to inflate their following to uh, to Some try people and get, do brand get deals, caught yeah. up in just looking at that number of the following yeah a lot yeah, of brands yeah. i work with will say we want our following to be this amount and i'm yeah, like yeah and i mean do you know there's some logic behind it and yeah. i think that like a lot of a lot of brands get bashed for like, oh, I want 10,000 followers or, yeah. or something like that. And, and you know, but that engagement is still, the engagement is terrible. Is terrible. But like, you know, that, that's on average though, most brand engagement rates will be. So like, you know, people aren't that interested in brands. Like, you know, you, you might still make purchasing decisions from Instagram based on a brand account. You might follow brands on Instagram, but most of the things are whatever, you're not really going to engage with the social messaging. You might see it, it might be subliminal that you know, oh, 20% off at ASOS or something like that, and yeah. you just scroll past it and you see it, and you constantly see that repetitive message following you throughout social. But you're not necessarily gonna be like, comment, oh, hey, thanks ASOS, that's amazing, or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know, you're just gonna scroll past it. More likely it. If, if someone, a personality uh, did Yeah, it. a personality I told you, yeah. So, you know, but like seeing that 10K mark or whatever on Instagram, A, it allows you to do Instagram swipe up. Yeah. Now, I don't know why Instagram don't allow just business accounts to swipe up from all levels because it's allowing you to send a direct link on certain promotions and that kind of thing, which is helpful. Um, and you then think secondly, they'll change that? No. <laughs> I don't, don't think Instagram are going to change much, to be honest. Um, but the, um, the other reason why is well, it's, it's social proofing. It is, it's offering legitimacy, effectively. Like If you are looking at a brand that maybe is, is new um, and you're wondering... How reliable are they? How safe are they to use? Um, if I, you know, buy something, am I going to get scammed or you know that kind of thing? Sometimes with new brands, immediately people will go and look on their Instagram and see kind of like you know what the engagement like, what people are commenting, yeah. like how that works. <clears throat> and if they see that you're a new brand but you've only got 500 followers, then they might be a little bit like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical. I'm not sure if they're it's legitimate. I'm a China. bit, uh, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure, like, you know, how yeah. it's going to work. Whereas if you've got that kind of ten thousand mark or a hundred thousand or a million, it. it's authentic. It authenticates you. It kind of adds a little bit of extra value. So I kind of understand where the idea of oh, we want this so that it legitimizes us. But <coughs> in buying followers, it's not going to get you anywhere in terms of. But some brands are just you know actually want, getting sales off the back of it and that kind of thing, yeah, which they really want. Yeah, you know? add ten thousand. <coughs> Let's say you've gone from a thousand to ten thousand. Your likes are still going to be five or six. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> two comments. Then you're thinking it just looks fake now, mm. because people are more aware as well. Yeah. You know, people know what to look for. As well. People are sharper with the access of information. That, but. That's how I see it. I'm more on engagement. Me, If your engagement's there, you're engaging and you've got an engaged audience. Yeah. There's no point having 50,000 and you're still getting the same engagement as... Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think, like, you know, when you look at all the theory behind, you know, Instagram and, like, digital marketing and everything, it always goes back to this 1,000 true fans. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so it doesn't really matter if you've got 10,000 followers, 100,000 followers or whatever. If you've got 1,000 people that are genuinely interested in what you do and what you sell, yeah. you've got... a you know, a, a very good, sustainable, growing business that you can then, you know, work with. Um, <coughs> so I think, you know, quite a lot of it is vanity metrics. Amazing. But, you know, it, it's just one of That's those things where like, you, can't, you can't change people's mindset. Sometimes no, so it just is. <coughs> what, as, 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 as the industry is changing itself, mm -hmm. where do you see the volume? Do you see it more in micro-influencers or the ones with the larger audiences? As the industry changes, I see most value in content. So I don't think it really matters okay. about your following at all. I think it matters in what content you produce. 
and mainly it's because content could be images, videos, images, videos, audio, stories, stories, stories anything. Yeah. Is that across the board? Yeah. Yeah, across everything, and I think that's where influencer marketing is heading. It's it's mainly about the, the value of content that you bring and how, how accessible that makes, you know, content for brands to be able to. to Did get. you see that Gary V sixty seven? Yeah, I downloaded it, uh, but I've not read it yet. You need to see that. <laughs> that is just something else. Yeah, um, but you know, a lot of it is based on um, if I'm a brand and I'm trying to grow my social presence and I'm trying to build sales and, and you know I guess like authenticity and everything like that with my brand on social Instagram now is going the way Facebook was where like you know most of the people that follow you will not see your content yeah they're cutting right it so it's all based on algorithms and you know everything and Instagram wants you to pay more to reach more effectively and it's all around paid social and how many ads you put out on social now quite a lot of brands are realizing this and understanding like right okay well we need to be putting out a lot of content now on our paid social on our blogs on our website and everything like that but you know to be able to have the ability in-house to create all that content it's it's an ast astronomical ask whereas if you can find a hundred influencers that will create all that content for you at scale and at relatively low cost why wouldn't you not do that it's a no, it's a no-brainer um, if i as a brand have selling you know a thousand items of clothing I've got to bring models in I've got to shoot them I yeah. have to have a production crew I have to have a, a space to shoot them yeah. in um, <clears throat> or I send those item out to influencers and have them create the content and then at that point then I can use that for ads I can use it on the website um, you know there's there's plenty of different options uh, obviously you'll have to negotiate you know where you can use those images and how those image rights uh, are applied across your business but uh, you know it's going to be a lot cheaper than hiring models every week at a thousand pounds a day trying to find to models <laughs> is difficult <laughs> to, to, to do that them, so yeah. you know it's it's obviously extremely expensive so um you know i think it's heading more towards content, content across all <coughs> platforms across all platforms and the added value is the fact that that content is then amplified to that influencer's audience <coughs> but i don't think that the audience as a whole will matter in the long term because just to come into that because what a lot of people do is, and I've seen a lot of big brands do this where I think they go wrong, they'll have one piece of content and they'll put it across all platforms. Yeah. Where what works on LinkedIn, the style of video, the way it's made, the caption is very different to what's going to work on Twitter yeah. or what's going to work on Snapchat. Mm -hmm. You know, and I do agree with you. I think content is going to, it's just because the, you've got what? Snapchat, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Twitter, yeah, yeah. six big players. Then TikTok. you've got TikToks coming through. Yeah. <coughs> and then you've got like industries within it, like you've got Twitch and there's an industry within there. And then you've yeah, got yeah. DLive, there's an industry <coughs> within there. There's a whole gaming industry that I just didn't know existed until <laughs> I, I knew it existed until <coughs> someone showed me DLive. And yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. we won't even go into that. But for, for brands then, what, what's the best in your way? Is it just to um, send it out to influencers, get them to create the content? That's the most cost effective way. Yeah. of working yeah and I mean like I mean we'll, we'll take it for example like she'll probably kill me but my girlfriend for example right over the weekend um, she bought some some stuff from boohoo yeah um, and you know she was using it um, to do like a YouTube video yeah so she was like look this is the stuff that I've been buying these are kind of like my winter essentials or whatever that I've bought with my own money so like she wasn't gifted or anything like that yeah um, but she's got 9,000 followers um, roughly and so you know, over the weekend, she was like, right, you know, I, uh, I want to take content so that I've got, um, you know, stuff for my Instagram, stuff for my blog, like stuff for my TikTok. Yeah. And so like the whole day, and I mean, I am probably, you know, like I'm full on one of those Instagram boyfriends now. <laughs> like yeah. I'm, I'm always, you know, always on the phone and stuff. So, um, you know, with that, we did, we filmed an entire video for YouTube. I, I think there were eight or nine outfits within that YouTube video. So then for each one of those outfits, you look we, um, we filmed an IGTV video. Yeah. Uh, we took several images for each one with like, you know, full lifestyle shots outside, like close up shots yeah. and things like that. So you can see the products um, and a TikTok video for each one of them. So in total or whatever, you probably had what, 50 and how long pieces does that of take? content? About five hours. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, a full day worth of, of creating it does that take, content. It, it, it takes, takes a lot time of time and effort. But I mean, like, you know, Boohoo probably wouldn't use it, but if they wanted to, there's 50 pieces of content that they could use across all their different channels. Yeah. Now, if you obviously, that's one person. 
Um, and then obviously when you start amplifying that across you know, all of these different influences, it becomes a, an extremely viable well, and cost-effective yeah. way. You know, it, um, yeah. And like, you, know, you can look at you know, her as an example. Yes, yeah, she's only got 9,000 followers, but you know, she's getting you know, a lot of comments you know, on her Instagram and stuff of like, you know, like, oh, you know, that outfit's really nice or like, you know, I want to try that or I, I've never styled that with that. I didn't know that you could wear that like that, like, you know, and that kind of thing or whatever. And it's giving people those ideas and that opportunity to try new things. And so, you know, that's kind of like an added value on top of the content. Um, but, you know, she's just doing it because it's fun at the moment and she enjoys it and she, you know, she wants to, yeah. you know, just keep... It's a passion, isn't just it? Just keep, you know, doing something that she's passionate about, yeah. Because I'm glad you mentioned TikTok. In the next year or so, do you see that the biggest, that being the platform with the most, I know it was last year with the most growth again, yeah. or do you see anything else coming through, or do you see any of the others changing? Like, I know Instagram takes a lot of, uh, they basically rip off Snapchat and TikTok anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they do. But do you see anything that TikTok or any up and coming platform doing that the others are not doing yet? It really depends on how Instagram go about the whole banning likes idea. Is that going ahead? Um, they're trialing that. Yeah, they're they? trialing it. Like, so I mean, at the moment, I run several social accounts, yeah. and on a couple of them, I've had likes removed, and I hate it. Like, honestly, I, I actually hate using those accounts where the likes have gone, because to me, it just doesn't feel like Instagram. Real. It doesn't feel real. It just it's like it Instagram just, before the it, likes. It just me. feels. It just feels weird. Um, and I. I but don't, you can see the likes on your like side. It. I can see the likes on yeah. my side, but you have to go into the insights. To see them. To, to see them. Um, so, like, you can see, I, I, it might say, like, for example, like, Bilal and others yeah. have liked your picture, but then in order for me to see how many likes, I have to then go into View Insights and then actually see the whole thing overall. Um, and so with that, it's, it's a little weird. So, you know, if that kind of gets fully rolled out and people don't like it, then I can see them easily moving on to other platforms um, and moving on to, um, you know, TikTok and and really kind of grown with that because I have to admit like I'm 29 I'm not really like you know the, the kind of target market for TikTok at the moment yeah, but, but I, so I love it I absolutely love it you don't even have to log in and you just keep swiping yes I'm just scrolling and scrolling and, and scrolling and I, I was uh, there was a song by an artist called Jay Sean Ride It yeah it was out 10 years ago and it was just relaunched someone remixed it yeah yeah someone remixed it and it's and massive, massive at the moment and yeah. he was saying that it, it charted higher than it charted originally. Yeah. Just because of TikTok. Yeah. Um, and, but if you, if you, as you know, when you log in, you don't even have to have an account. No, and no, you can no. just swipe, swipe, and we were swipe. looking at it the other day um, in the office. We uh, went on Spotify and played uh, the global top 50. And probably out of that top 50, 30 of those songs have been trending on TikTok well. over the last, you know, month or so. And every time we were going through, we were like, I've heard that on TikTok. And like you, you then start to associate like you know people create dances to these songs and stuff like that, and so you um, they start to become almost like meme culture and everything like that so associated with music, and it's it's something that really kind of like and they do the challenge, don't they? Triggering people, they do like in, you know. in 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 um, South Asia, when a movie comes out, mm. they have a TikTok challenge part of the promotion, right? Okay, because it's so big out there. Yeah, they, usually South Asian movies will have a dance element to it, and yeah. they'll create a specific sequence and they said do it on TikTok right, and you okay. could have a chance to win. Yeah. So they really incorporate that yeah. into their marketing. Is it, uh, there's an American brand, Chicanos or Chicory, there's, a, there's an, a food brand, they were the first to go on to TikTok and start using it as their right. part of their <laughs> uh, strategy. Yeah. I think it's only a matter of time before the bigger brands kind of go on there because your organic growth is huge. Well I mean for example, I mean like um, I saw it first recently um, started to, to work on TikTok. Um, and you know, I work in social, and it's my daily job. I, you know, I'm always on like Instagram and TikTok and stuff. But I'm I'm not an expert in TikTok. Um, it's a new platform to me. I'm still learning it. I'm still understanding how it works. Um, but you know, these these influencers that have been on TikTok back in the day when it was musically and, and, and oh so yeah, on, it was yeah? You know, so like people have been uh, using this platform for a few years now and know how it works. They know how to gain followers. So uh, I saw it first when they started talking to us about building a TikTok platform. They were kind of like, oh, you know, what should we do and how should we do it and how should we create content? And going back to the idea of why content is essential, they didn't have the in-house resources to get someone to create, you know, TikTok videos every day and, and, and so on. So they were like, how can we do this? So then we said, all right, well, let's just work with influencers. So we actually hired 
an influencer to work in-house a day a week with I Saw It First um, to create content. It's a good idea though. Um, so she travels up from, um, I think it's somewhere near Birmingham uh, that she's based, um, and she comes up every Tuesday and she films content for TikTok um, all day. Um, and But then at the same time as well, she's built up connections within that industry. Um, so she knows other creators on TikTok. Um, so, you know, she invites them in and they create content together and they, you know, work, work together to create content. So um, I think I saw it first started their TikTok channel two months ago, three All months right, ago. Okay. Um, and they're probably on about 15,000 followers now. Um, you couldn't get whereas, that on Instagram. Like, you know, you couldn't get that on Instagram. <laughs> the um, most you'd get someone who popular you a couple of hundred yeah 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 and that's at a push so um it's it's just growing massively and you know some of the videos on there have got like half a million views um because they started trending um and you know it's such a quick platform for growth that i think that you know influencers and you know the, the general public are going to jump on that because they think well w one video could make me famous <laughs> yeah um and i think that'll start you think you'll kill snapchat off? Uh, i don't see snapchat as a social media platform what do you see it as? I see it as a messaging app. Wow. I see that like, the biggest challenger to Snapchat is WhatsApp, in my opinion anyway. I don't really see Snapchat as a, as a social media. And the main reason why is because I can't just find people on Snapchat. Like I can't just come across people randomly. Like someone has to give me their Snap name in order for me to follow them. You can see celebrities sometimes the profiles of the way they laid like out that. and stuff. But, <clears throat> but in terms of like actually following someone on Snapchat, it's like someone giving you their phone number. Yeah. So like unless I have your phone number or unless I have your Snap, I can't follow you really and I can't engage with you and so I see that more of a communication tool than I do as a, as a social media platform so I think there's there's opportunities for Snapchat you know beyond social media um, and you know they're working on you know cameras and all sorts of things or whatever that, that to align me they've with got it, so. a feeling of Blackberry I think you yeah. remember Blackberry now <coughs> Blackberry were adamant on having keyboard yeah yeah and yeah. eventually killed them mm -hmm. And they were just now they were just playing catch up, catch up, and they eventually yeah. died. And but I see that happening. The with biggest them. thing for BlackBerry at the time was uh, BBM. Yeah. And the fact that you could, than <laughs> it being a, uh, a text messaging platform, you could message everyone. For yeah. Free. And everybody wanted a BlackBerry for the BBM. BlackBerry for BBM, and that yeah. was it. And so I think you know when you treat Snapchat as a communication tool, it's almost like yeah, BBM, and, and you know how that works. But you know, I'm not that interested in Snapchat personally. I never use it. Um, I used to have an account a few years ago. And then Instagram stories came out and then I was yeah. just like, well, that's everything's in everything's one place. Yeah, yeah, everything's in one place. I want things to be, uh, you know, just like I nice still and easy the to the filters access. on Snapchat. Yeah, well, that's sometimes, you know, people will use filters and everything on yeah. Snapchat and they, and they get a lot better on there. But overall or whatever, I just I've just never really used it. And I, and I would never for a client when they start asking me about social media strategy <coughs> and stuff. Yeah, I, I wouldn't really put Snapchat forward as a as a proposal. Personally, I just don't see value in it. You know, <coughs> I'm glad you can't said that now what's one thing I did want to ask you was there's a new industry that's kind of been created with it because of influencers as you know it's called food porn yeah yeah how do you think influencer marketing has changed the food like brands and how they've started to work with it and how do you think like influence you know like you see a lot of these guys doing like dip uh, burgers and cheese, yeah, cheese and, and everything like that yeah and do you think brands <coughs> have looked at that and saying that's what's working and going for more for like a raw style of content rather than having that McDonald's style of yeah and I think sometimes or whatever when you look at it like restaurants now are playing off on each other to create the most kind of like food porny yeah. like you know viral burger or something like that and like they're all trying to come out with something that's you know more crazier than the than the next place or whatever like that so that they can get themselves trending on Instagram or something and invite more customers in and you know, I think Instagram has had a huge impact on you know brick and mortar businesses. Yeah. Like you look at London now and the cafes and the pubs and places like that. Like you know, most of them are going out their way to like add a flower wall or whatever to make it more it's Instagrammable. And, and it's all about I blame salt beef Yeah, it's all about content. And so you know, in yes, you want something that's you know encouraging influencers and, and that kind of people to come and, and have their you know their pictures there, eat the food you know, share it with their followers. Because people do see these as like inspirational people. And depending on the level of influencer, you've kind of got aspirational, which is kind of like, you know, the, 
Kardashians and that kind of people or whatever, where like, you know, you aspire to be like them in the future and, you know, you want to grow and be a celebrity and so on. And you see like, you know, your everyday kind of like, you know, your inspirational people and the people that, that I guess, make things more attainable. Um, and, you know, you see something or whatever and it's a pub in London or something like that that's doing, I don't know, a, a giant pizza or something yeah, like yeah. that or whatever and it's, there might be a food ch challenge there might something. be a challenge like you know like tag you and a friend that can complete this in half an hour or something like that and you know having influencers come down and try the challenge and and, and that kind of thing it, you know it gets the message out there and uh, it is having a massive real yeah, life impact restaurants in, in, now, you're in right, driving being people to it yeah restaurants are being designed with an element of will this look good on instagram or have you got an area where people could take pictures yeah and it's just amazing how that whole industry it's helped the industry as well. Mm. Like normally, a restaurant would have like you go on the website, you see the menu, one or two images, but now you can go on their feeds or Instagram. An Instagrammer could go into a restaurant and yeah. say, "Oh my God, look at these, look at this, look at this," yeah, yeah, yeah. and it really opens it up. But let's say there was a smaller business, it mm. had no money whatsoever. Yeah. How could they work with smaller inf Instagrammers? Like, what would they, would it just be a gifting option? Yeah, or? just invite them in and you know offer them the opportunity to to try a tasting menu or or something like that and i think a lot of places are actually doing that and have grown off the back of that is you know you're working with local influencers that have probably <coughs> got you know less than 10,000 followers their audience is going to probably be more local yeah um and and therefore you can probably have a, a lot more of a, an impact at is that local level um, so I think it, it works out quite well if you just invite people in. Is it just best to DM them, say hi, this is who we are, da, 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 or yeah, 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 or you know, sometimes or whatever. Like it, it can be if if you're a, say for example, you're a Manchester-based um, restaurant and you're based in the Northern Quarter, and you can see influencers that are constantly taking pictures within the Northern Quarter. Um, you know, comment on some of their pictures or whatever, like and and just say like. Um, or like you know, you we can see or whatever that you're constantly you know in, in this the place area. or whatever. Like you know, we're just Love round the corner. Come and come and have a come and have a, a drink on us, or come and have a you a know meal. a meal on us or something like that. Yeah, and you know that kind of thing works. And I think sometimes a lot of businesses are are scared about. Oh, they've heard like you know scare stories of you know reaching out to influencers and then being like, oh, I want a grand to come and take a picture or something like that. And the vast majority of influencers are not like that. Um, a lot of them are quite flattered that you know you've reached out to them and offered them an opportunity. Yeah, and plus if it's, a, if it's an influencer that works in fashion yeah. and they're in Northern Quarter and somebody from a different industry has reached out to them, they're more likely to, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, to maybe try something new. Try something. At the same time as well, like influencers, you know, thrive off content because they need content to keep their audience engaged because if they're not creating content they're, they're not interesting effectively mm. and so like you know it's almost like you know content for them is an interest and engagement is their form of social currency it's how they live on, in terms of instagram and so if you're giving them an opportunity to create new content that's going to be interesting to people that you know is going to drive engagement and you know get people asking them questions and that, that kind of thing that works for them because the more people that comment, the more people that ask them questions, the more people that engage, the higher they rank in the algorithm, the more followers they get and, and so on. So it, sometimes it works out as a benefit to, to both parties. So uh, it's always worth it. And you can out. usually find, like, just type in the hashtag on Instagram in, disco in the discovery tub, look yeah. for your area, see who's in there, who's been there. Yeah, look through that area, and you can yeah. find them. Just look at the location tag, where are you located? And yeah, then just see look who's and then see, you know, who's trending, what the top uh, influencers are in that area, who's getting the most engagement. Um, look at some of your competitors. Who are they working with? Um, you know, who's who they've invited down, and, and that kind of thing. Because you can normally get an idea for it that if you're if you're a a small local bar that serves, you know, pizza or something like that, and there's other places in Manchester that do a similar thing, they're probably going to have similar budgets because they're probably at a similar level in their journey yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, so like you know, it's not like a local pizza chain competing with Domino's or something like that. You're you're looking at you know everything as a as a whole. Um, and just having a look at who they're reaching out to, who they're engaging with, who's on their stories, that kind of thing can give you an idea of, you know, who might be open to those kind of collaborations <coughs> and, and work with you on that level. So you don't, you don't need a budget to, to get involved in influencer marketing. What about brands that have burnt, would say influencer marketing doesn't work, we burnt too much money on it, you know, it doesn't work for us. Would he say that was an error in sourcing the correct influencer, the funnel wasn't correct? Mm -hmm. What should, what, before somebody parts money with an, on a campaign, mm -hmm. what things should they have in place? Should it be a clear KPI? Should it be a clear funnel? This is what we want the influencer to do. Mm -hmm. Should it be, does this influence my brand? Or should it be all of that? Yeah, I mean, quite a lot. I think a lot of people see... Because you do hear that, you know, it doesn't work for us or we spent 
100 grand and we, don't, we didn't get anything in return. Yeah, influencer marketing can work for everyone. Uh, there's not an industry that you can't really apply it to. Um, it, it's, it can work pretty much with it across the board in terms of um, you know, helping brands reach new audiences. But a lot of the time or whatever is that the, 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 they've prepared wrong. You know, they've not really put a lot of effort into you know, how it's going to work afterwards. Once that influencer has posted, once that influencer has been to an event or something like that, like, you know, what's the process afterwards? Um, you know, how do we analyze that data? How do we, you know, collect data from it in terms of maybe, uh, you know, new customers or whatever coming into mm. that funnel? Um, you know, sometimes you look at it where um, a brand is, um, I don't know, say for example, if they've posted um, with an influencer and that influencer has driven a lot of traffic to the site and then it's not converted. And, then they'll, and then they'll be saying like, oh, like, you know, why, why isn't it converted or whatever? It must be a problem with the influencer. And it's like, well, most often it's probably a, a, pro, a problem with your website. How easy is your website <coughs> to, to go through to check out? How many, you know, different screens do you have to go mm. through? How easy is it to, to find the product, to find, find the, the product, price, to yeah, find yeah. the price and all that kind of thing? Um, a lot of that can be down to you know what you do as a brand on the back end and how you prepare for, for people to come in. Um, have you set site up could a, crash. Yeah, your site could crash. How or you know have you set up a, a Facebook pixel or whatever on your site or whatever so that those audience coming through or whatever can be retargeted at a later date um, because you know that they have an interest in what it is that you're selling. Um, and a lot of the time or whatever brands have, you know, they've just been that hit and hope mentality really where like you know they've heard that influencer marketing can work wonders for some people or whatever and think oh well they're going to do it for us and I think you know influencers are almost seen as a bit of a jack of all trades where like if you work with an influencer you're going to get followers you're going to get sales like yeah. you know you're going to hit the million <laughs> pound you know so like and can they do that yeah in some in some cases they can but most of the time you know you need to set up a strategy specifically for a purpose so like you know if you want brand awareness set up a strategy for that if you want follower growth on social set up a strategy for that if you want direct yeah, clear sales KPIs. you know you know set it up can't a be everything exactly and a lot of brands or whatever you kind of say all right you know we want to work with an influencer and we've got a 10 grand budget okay what do you want to get out of it don't know <laughs> yeah we sales. Want to work with sales sales we want sales okay mm -hmm. right but like I, how are you set up for that like you know how uh Sales on what product? Exactly. There's no yeah. point in selling t-shirts in December. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know there, there's there's always that. So, I would say that a lot of the time, it's it's based on you know you've been working with the wrong influencer. So, like your planning was wrong. That yeah. You didn't pick the right influencer that was right for you, or that in terms of the strategy on the follow-up process and the back end and how that influencer campaign is going to transition from you know the influencer posting to then actually you know taking that customer on a journey through your funnel. How has that been set up? And a lot of the time, it's a failure on either the planning or the execution stage mm. sometimes you know it might just not work not every influencer will work sometimes the influencer can be right sometimes you know the, the follow-up process could be right there's no guarantees you can't guarantee it if there um, was because then you know the influencer do it themselves yeah exactly yeah so um you know that, that that does cause you know some issues sometimes or whatever but the vast majority of it is down to how you plan and how you execute now i believe i'm with you on this that I'm really for all for influencer marketing, but I think there's a lot of negativity around it because I think too many people jump on the bandwagon yeah. and then kind of pull it down and they don't actually understand influencer marketing well. Yeah. Could you give us an example of where it's really worked very well, where it's exceeded expectation? Or where you thought, you know what, it's just, this, is, this has been a good campaign. You know, yeah. even I saw it first or in the previous preview, where you think, you know what, this has done really well, better yeah. than what, a cost compared to traditional or anything else would have done? Yeah, so I mean, for example, um, to give a recent one, yeah, um, sure. I saw it first, I've just done a collaboration with um, like two really popular YouTubers uh, Which called ones? Sophia and Chintzia. Yeah. Um, so they um, worked with I saw it first to design a, <coughs> um, a collection for themselves um, that you know they've had input in throughout the whole process. Yeah. So sometimes you might get, uh, especially with fashion brands, um, they might say, oh, we want an influencer in and we want them to do an edit. And then what that normally means is the brand have already got all their items lined up and they're going to sell them, you know, as, as is. Yeah. But what we'll do is out of those hundred items or whatever from this new collection, we'll bring an influencer in. That influencer picks their favorite 25 pieces and that's their style. That's their edit. So, mm -hmm. and then, you know, they put their name to that and then they, they sell it as their line. Whereas... When you look at an influencer collection rather than edit, so like a collection, that influencer has had 
like design input and control over how that um, you know that I saw, product um, looks. They do that, don't they? Um, what's that brand called now? They're on BBC Three. You told me what were they called? They had the documentary. Oh, in the style. In the style. Yeah, yeah, they'll the style design a range that, yeah, with. Yeah, they'll design a range. Yeah. So that's what tends to work out a lot better because you know that influencer then has had a lot more control over yeah. how that product looks, how mm -hmm. that product feels, what material is involved. Um, the price point in terms of like what they think their audience would be comfortable with because they can see their you know transaction history sometimes through like affiliate networks and stuff at like what level their audience are buying at and everything like that um, and so you know they've had like you know full like reign to to work with us and to have massive input across the whole range in terms of you know what it looks like how it's designed and that was extremely successful so it launched sold out first day um, I think they've relaunched uh, probably maybe three or four times now in terms of like bringing that, <coughs> that, that product back. Yeah. Um, and again, like, you know, that sold out. Um, so it's performed extremely well, uh, really, really well. But those influencers, because they've had input throughout, they, they feel like, you know, massively Plus aligned with the with brand. The, their own audience a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so with that, you know, they've obviously, they've had like, you know, full kind of like ownership of it throughout. And so they feel like it's, it's theirs. And so when it comes to then actually pushing um, and promoting the product, you know, they, they have ownership over it. They, they you know, they want to put it out there. They want to promote it as much as possible because, you know, they, they feel like, you know, I've designed this. Like, you know, I want to see it to be successful. It's kind of like a, a testament to me as, you know, as a, as a designer and an influencer as to, you know, how well this product does. Um, and so, you know, they heavily promote it. They uh, try and, you know, push it out there as much as possible. And, you know, that then obviously benefits the brand. Um, so that's a really good example of a very, very recent campaign. I mean, it was only in December when that, when that happened, so... Uh, like you said, it's you just know, probably yeah. before you dive into it, educate yourself about what it is, yeah. what you want from it, mm -hmm. and then just work with the right people. Yeah. Talking about right people, how can people get in touch with you, your agency, if they want more information about you, how can they get in touch with you? Um, for me, I'm really active on LinkedIn, so just search for Mark Dandy on LinkedIn. Uh, my email is mark at captivateinfluence.com. We'll um, put that in the... Yeah, um, so feel free to email me if anything influence marketing related. Um, and then also, I'm pretty active on Twitter. At, I've noticed. At Mr. Mark Dandy. Yeah. Um, and now that... Um, do, you wanna, do you wanna let the people on TV follow? And yeah, what happened to you last night? I'm a, I'm a huge United fan. <laughs> Man United fan, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a sad time at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I'll get back to tweeting about marketing now that elections and Brexit and, and everything Brexit, like that yeah. is all done with. No, no. <laughs> um, so we can get back to talking about marketing and stuff now. So yeah, follow me on Twitter if uh, you're interested in influencer marketing. Yeah. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. <laughs>